The Portal King strikes again, this time with Zachary Franklin. We'll tell you exactly how this is going to benefit the Ole Miss offense in 2023. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for tuning in to the Locked on Ole Miss podcast and making it your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Hi, I'm Stephen Willis, and this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Ole Miss got a commitment from Zachary Franklin, and we'll get right into it right here. The six foot, I think, one eighty five receiver out of UTSA. I'm not sure about the weight. Um, if I'm wrong, uh, I just could have been speaking out of turn. Committed to Ole Miss after it was rumored for a while that he would go to the Ole Miss Rebels, and this is a big, big commitment for Ole Miss football. There were two wide receivers in the portal that I wanted. As soon as they went into the portal, I wanted them, and that was Keon Coleman and Zachary Franklin. And Zachary Franklin may not be Keon Coleman. They're different type wide receivers, but um, Zachary Franklin is special nonetheless. This is a major, major pickup for Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss offense. And coming up in the next segment, we'll tell you how it's going to help Trey Harris. It's going to help Michael Trigg. This is a big, big deal. This is a major player. First of all, if you look at ESPN's story, Ole Miss adds top wide receiver target, Zachary Franklin. This is by Adam Rittenberg of ESPN's senior writer. Ole Miss added a big piece to its passing game as wide receiver Zachary Franklin, a two-time all-conference selection at UTSA, is set to transfer to the school. Franklin, who announced his destination on Saturday in social media, tied for second nationally in touchdown receptions with 15, was seventh in total receptions with 93, and finished with 1,137 receiving yards at UTSA. UTSA's all-time leading receiver entered the transfer portal April 28th. He also eclipsed 1,000 receiving yards in 2021 and will bring 3,349 career receiving yards and 37 touchdowns to the Ole Miss offense. Now, the thing that you need to remember was Akari. This is a top-shelf wide receiver. This chart talks about... Contested targets, catches, and contested um, percentage where receptions were made as far as interceptions that were given up this past season. You can see against Texas, he had one contested catch for um, on four targets, 25, and there was an interception in that one. That, 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 was, that was a big boy. But if you look at the overall, he was about 50%, 16 to 32 and only gave up two interceptions for the year on contested catches. That means that if he was in traffic over the middle of the field, maybe out on a back shoulder throw, something like that, he was successful about as much as he was it in a situation where he shouldn't have been that successful. If you look at the overall average of players, this number is probably somewhere in the 35% category. At 50%, this is nothing to sneeze at. Now, if you look also, another thing you need to pay attention to, with 
Zachary Franklin is this position. He was a right wide receiver. He played on the right-hand side. Now, Ole Miss's offense, receivers rarely change sides. The tempo really doesn't allow it. Sometimes they'll do some special stuff, but in the normal base offense, you're going to have a right wide receiver and a left wide receiver. Last year, Jonathan Mingo was on the left. Malik Heath was on the right. That's just the way this offense worked. He played on the right-hand side. This will come in handy in the next segment. We will talk to you about that. Now, the other thing we want to talk about, if you look at it and realize that he played on the right side, here is zones. Look at um, 7 to 9, over 10 yards, 100 yards, 4 touchdowns, no picks, perfect passer rating. I think that's perfect. It's pretty close to perfect. 15 to 16 within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage out wide, 94% passing rate, and at the line of scrimmage, he was 5 of 5. Now look on the right-hand side of the field, his drop percentage. Pay attention to that. He was 7 to 9. That's that's two incompletions. He was 15 to 16. That's one incompletion. He was 5 of 5. So one pass hit the ground that was thrown outside the numbers last season. He was not necessarily a deep threat. They did use him from time to time that way, Okay. Now, if you look at his work in the middle of the field, this is where the contested catch thing comes in. And we've been harping on middle of the field for months. If, you've heard, if you're an everydayer listener to my show, you see that we talk about the middle of the field all the time. Well, if you look at his middle of the field numbers, that's between the numbers, 2 for 4, 10 for 15, 26 of 36. He does work in the middle of the field. So I do think that Ole Miss will figure out a way to use him in different locations. Now, Trey Harris is going to help him. The fact that he exists now means that it's going to be nearly impossible to roll coverage at the moment. We'll talk about that in the next segment as well. But you look at it like inside of 10 yards, he was 26 of 36. Those are mesh type crossing routes. 14 to 16 is behind, um, at the line of scrimmage. Run them over the middle. Let the athlete get the ball and do some work. He is comfortable across the middle of the field. If you look at his passer ratings, all over the middle and the right side, there's a lot of 100s. There's a lot of high 90s. There's a lot of 90s. And if you see that, you can understand. that this, this cat can be special in the Ole Miss offense. You can look at this and also see how there's a little bit of Elijah Moore in those numbers. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen. I do not know if he's going to play slot predominantly. I don't know if that's going to be George or Jordan Watkins because that could flip. But I see this Ole Miss football team playing a lot of 12 personnel next year. Honestly, I mean, it's just like, you know, like Johnny Carson putting the envelope on there. I just see Ole Miss playing 12 personnel. With Priest Corn and Trigg on the field at the same time, you have on the outside right, Zachary Franklin on the outside left, Trey Harris, which by the way, we're going to talk about Trey Harris in this next segment, because this, in my opinion, is a major, major component in Trey Harris. And this allows Ole Miss's offense to be unbelievably explosive as well. Right now, though, I do want to let you know that this show is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. That's because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to 
$2,500. That's right, $2,500. This is a safe and secure app and you can get paid instantly. And I do realize that Mississippi is a brick and mortar casino type place. But if you visit Louisiana, if you go to New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Monroe, Delta, Louisiana, if you go up to in Memphis to Tennessee, um, Jackson, Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, on vacation in Gatlinburg, you can use the FanDuel Sportsbook app. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. It's an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first and listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. We're going to continue to talk about what this team can look like in the fall. We're going to continue to talk about the schedule release that is coming June 4th and any commitments that pop up. If you look at, um, I think, Joseph Cryer committed over the weekend, we're going to talk about him a little bit. And I think, there's a Quentin Murphy out of, he's a four-star, 250 player, class of 2025, that committed, but they might not have taken his commitment. So there's some drama there. We're waiting on that to flesh out as well. So pay attention to that. Anyway, so I do want to let you know, this offense could be unbelievably explosive, and that is because of Zachary Franklin and what he will do to the other weapons on the field. And what I mean by that, when you have Quinshawn Judkins, who ran for 1,500 yards, okay? A super running back. Only Herschel Walker had a better freshman season in the history of Southeastern Conference football. I can say that again more slowly if you need me to. Only Herschel Walker had more yards, more success as a true freshman than Quinshawn Judkins in the history of the SEC. Think about that. That is an amazing statistic. That is what we call an attention getter. Every team is going to walk on the field saying, number four is not going to beat us. Number four is not going to do it. We can't get beat by Quinshawn. We have to put eight in the box. Well, if you do that, that limits what you can do coverage-wise because you're going to have to contribute either the free or the strong safety down in the run game, leaving basically three deep. You can either go with a three-deep zone which is single coverage with Zachary Franklin, Michael Trigg, or Trey Harris. Or you can roll the dice with two safeties, but even then you can only double team one of them. It's a pick your poison type thing. Either Franklin or Trey Harris is going to get the double team. Or, and Michael Trigg is going to be right there. And if he has a massive year, we are talking about this offense being not just the most elite offense that Ole Miss football has ever seen. We are talking about this defense, this offense being at another level for what even, I mean, Tennessee last year, that type stuff. That is what this offense can do. And now, don't think that the players that I think are on the roster currently, the Jordan Watkins, the um, J.J. Henrys, the Braylon Browns, those guys can't contribute the Dayton Wade, I think they're going to contribute, and I think they're going to contribute mightily. But whenever you have one, 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 three receivers that can potentially be number one worthy, you are at a different level 
than you think you are. Now, this is what I'm talking about. These are the Trey Harris zones. And if you look at him, the opposite, it's a big deal that Zachary Franklin played mostly on the right because Trey Harris played mostly on the left. He was 6 of 10 for deep balls. He played in an air raid system, nearly 145 passer rating. And if you look at his number, he graded out at nearly 100%. If you look at the 20, 10 to 20 range, he was 5 of 13, a little bit difficult, two touchdowns, interceptions. If you look under 10 yards where it's going to be contested, it's going to be really contested, 13 of 15, 95 yards, and 4 of 4 um, at or behind the line of scrimmage. Over the middle of the field, again, he did some work. They can attack you from the right now. They can attack you from the left, and that hasn't even touched Caden Priestcorn or Michael Trigg, what they can do. They can get creative offensively. There's stuff that can make the defense and stress them out at a level that Ole Miss has never seen, ever. And this is including last year with the Zach Evans. Now, one thing that Ole Miss needs, and we are going to pay attention to the fall, because there are needs on this offense. But Ole Miss needs that second running back to stay healthy. It is no surprise that Ole Miss lost to Alabama after Zach Evans got hurt. If Zach Evans would have been healthy, Ole Miss would have won that game. Zach Evans did not play against LSU. So you need that second running back to be a factor running the ball, to keep the defense doing different things. You can say what you want. Quinshawn had 1,500 yards rushing as a true freshman, but most everybody knew that the inside zone was coming. Maybe a counter was coming. Something that was close to the box was coming. When Zach Evans was in the game, they tried to play that same defense, and Zach Evans was able to hurt them on the corner. See, Texas A&M in the second half last year. So these running backs, Ulysses Bentley the fourth, Kedrick Riscano, majorly important for Ole Miss's offense. If they, if Ole Miss gets one of them to compete and produce at a high level, this is an offense that is at a level the SEC hasn't necessarily seen. Honestly, this is an offense that you honestly have to pick your poison with. Now, we talk about Jackson Dart throwing over the middle, and I still agree with that. But what these receivers is going, is going to allow, it's going to allow different players to attack outside the numbers. So Jackson Dart can complete the ball and, and be really careful over the middle of the field if you want to play to Jackson Dart's strengths. But the players going outside the numbers might look different. They're interchangeable. If you look at position interchangeability, the Ole Miss wide receivers can absolutely hold their own. Now, the other thing I want to talk about that is really key for Ole Miss, again, another 50% of contested catches. Two for five against Clemson, two for four against Missouri, against Power 5 teams. Trey Harris is a legit player. I think PFF rated him as the number eight returning wide receiver in college football. There are skill position weapons all over the field for Ole Miss. There just are. Now, anybody that wants to poke holes in what I'm saying, do it. Because I am supremely confident in what I'm saying. I am showing my work on this one. This isn't me just fanboying out because there's data and stats to back up what I'm saying. Is there a chance that one of them might not be as good against SEC competition? 
Yes, but it's slim because these are grown men that have performed well in these situations against these teams and now are not going to be the number one player on their team. Can you imagine a situation where somebody that had 93 catches, 1,200 yards receiving, and 15 touchdowns last year in Zachary Franklin gets to be the number three receiver on Ole Miss's offense to where you're going to consistently get a lower-level cornerback? Kool-Aid McKinstry is not lining up on you. He's over on Trey Harris some until Zachary Franklin proves otherwise. I'm telling you, Lane Kiffin loves to play matchups. Loves to play matchups. He's always been that way. And now with the position versatility, with the number ones all over the receiving field, if Jackson Dart, who threw one interception in the spring, can grasp the middle of the field and make a jump in that area, this offense is going to be difficult to stop. Now, there are questions. Jackson Dart has to be better in the middle of the field. The running back position has to step up. And these receivers have to play to the position that their data states that they are. If that happens, and then you sprinkle in a Braylon Brown, a Caden Prescorn, a J.J. Henry, a Dayton Wade, a Jordan Watkins, and this offense could be just unstoppable. As hard as the schedule is, this offense could be very, very special. Two all first-team all-conference USA players lining up at wide receiver for Ole Miss. This is, this is impressive. This is something that you don't see very often. Anyway, when we come back, we are going to talk about a mock schedule and how it could look. 24-7, put it out. We're going to talk about that um, when we come back. Anyway, stick around. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are, in fact, free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications. Upvote and comment. We would appreciate it. Hi, I'm Stephen Willis. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. All right. We talked in the first two segments of the show today about the Zachary Franklin commitment. We talked about how it's going to help Trey Harris and what that does to the offense as a whole. We showed you PFF stats. We um, talked about a little bit of different stuff and matchup and position versatility. I am so freaking excited about this Ole Miss football team right now. Okay? So excited. But in five days' time, or nine days' time, SEC is going to reveal their 2024 football schedule. And they are going to protect Mississippi State, and they are going to protect LSU. So do not fret over those two games. Now, uh, everybody else, it's going to be based off of balance and fairness or whatever. So Ole Miss is going to probably have four teams, um, from the bottom half, maybe five teams from the bottom half, and and then three, we'll see exactly how that goes because four and four could work with what Ole Miss is with right now. But there was a percent win percentage list where Ole Miss was like 10th in the conference. The Matt Luke years figured heavily in that as well. So we will talk about that as a little bit. Let's bring that up right now. Where is that? Is that right there? No, that's not right there. Here it is. Sorry about that. That's a bad pod. 24-7 release predictions for East Team's eight-game SEC schedule for 2024 on Friday, and Ole Miss Rebels were dealt a tough but not outrageous hand. The Rebels are projected 
to land conference games versus Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Missouri, Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, LSU, and Texas. Yeah, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out who is not on there. And yes, all day. We'll take it. The projected 2024 opponents at Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Missouri at Arkansas, Kentucky at Tennessee at LSU and at Texas. If you look at Ole Miss's permanent three rivals that were projected with a nine-game schedule, it was Arkansas, State, and LSU. Those appear on the schedule as well. It also will have a return to the Tennessee game. We talked about how important that rivalry used to be. Before Arkansas and South Carolina came into the league, Ole Miss and Tennessee played every year. And it was actually a big game. And if you look at old heads like me, we do not like Tennessee and they do not like us. It's just the way it is. So, but the big thing is bye-bye Nick Saban. We're not expecting Alabama on the Rebels' schedule. Every year, once the SEC figures out what it wants to do long-term, but the Crimson Tide will be replaced with Texas or Oklahoma in the years they're not designated. Of course, this all is speculation at this point. Ole Miss is not historically one of the haves, and therefore um, the other seven or eight programs within the conference won't have much of a say um, who it wants to play every year. So, like every other, um, they're not going to have much to say. So, we'll see exactly what happens. I'm pretty fired up about it. Now, here's the downside. If they do this, and that leads to a nine-game schedule, this could be like the preliminary rotation for a nine-game year. So, maybe an Oklahoma or a Georgia becomes the ninth game. And so, Ole Miss fans are going to completely worry about that. Is it the ninth game? And that is absolutely possible. It just is. But the flip side of that is, um, would you take this schedule and add Oklahoma, right? Let's just add Oklahoma to the schedule for the ninth game. And then the off years, you get Georgia, Alabama, and Auburn. I mean, that's kind of the question. And do you want Texas A&M or Tennessee, um, Texas and Oklahoma one year, and then the next year Alabama, Georgia, and Auburn. I think that would be a relatively balanced schedule. I, I kind of like this schedule. I like the idea of Alabama um, getting off the schedule. I do not think both of them need to get off the schedule in one year. Ole Miss should play either Alabama or Auburn every year, in my opinion, and just alternate those. You should not have to double up. That's That's going to lead to weird situations. And... Just have the Alabama and Georgia go with the Texas and Oklahoma and just alternate them. Um, and then you have like Auburn and, I don't know, South Carolina and those can can alternate as well. So that that's the way I think that will work moving forward. But this temporary eight-game schedule, kind of in favor of it. I like this. If this indeed happens, and we're going to talk about this, we're going to have a live stream for on, on our SEC After Dark show, which if you search SEC After Dark on YouTube, that channel comes up. Give it a subscribe. Um, but we'll have Corey Burton from Georgia, Jake Thomas from Alabama, and Jeb Beecham from Tennessee talking about their halls, essentially, as and the conference as a whole. I'm pretty fired up. I'm pretty fired up. Also, this is the first show that had has had the new graphics. Um, hope they like it. I changed um, the blue, added a little bit more blue in there. Um, and also, I got a new mic. 
and hopefully this sounds all right. So we're going to listen to this and, and hopefully this is kind of good to go because I'll be pretty fired up about that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fired up in general. You guys know me. You guys know me. I am pretty fired up in general. And this eighth game schedule, I'm okay with it. Like I said, I'm not an eight or a nine game proponent. I'm just not. It, that just doesn't matter to me. If people want to bitch about that, they can't. What I am is about keeping rivals proponent. It's going to be important that Ole Miss plays LSU every year. I think it's important that Ole Miss plays Arkansas every year. And temporary conference schedules have a way of being permanent. If you want to look at the schedule whenever Texas A&M and Missouri came in, we had the temporary schedule that lasted for 13 years and was absolutely terrible. That's just the way that has worked with one rotating conference game to where Texas A&M has not hosted Georgia or something like that. That that can't happen. So the permanent schedule needs to happen. I'm a proponent of these teams playing, and this 3-6-6 model, it just kind of works. It just kind of works. And we'll see exactly what happens with that. Anyway, Thanks for tuning in and making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. We'll continue to look at it. We're going to look at Joseph Cryer. We'll talk about that a little bit. We're going to continue to look at the schedule thing until the schedule release happens on June 14th and any other commitments that Ole Miss has during that time. We are going to hit that as well because we are starting official visit season and camp season. So whether you want to or not, recruiting is kind of the news at the moment. But I do appreciate everybody. By the way, before I get out of here, I'm holding this to the end. Went to Hollywood Studios yesterday for my birthday. Got the 40th, 7th birthday pin. Um, My wife got that from me. She planned the whole day. We were out of there a little after 3 o'clock and wrote absolutely everything. We did not wait longer than 15 minutes for a ride. If you have any questions on how to do Disney parks, Hit me up in DMs. I will help anybody if you're going to Disney. I'm not saying we we are necessarily great at it, but we do it all the time. And like I said, not more than 10, 15 minutes wait in any ride today on a weekend at Hollywood Studios on June 4th. I think that's very important. But I hope everybody is going to have a great week. We're going to continue to break some stuff down. We're going to get in the weeds some, as you can see today. But... um. I will talk to you later. Hotty toddy.